Hello there, this is JJ, and welcome to my first official episode with a guest. Today's guest will be Freddy. He is from Mexico, and he will talk with me about his life and his experience in the kitchen. Please, welcome. I would like to introduce you to my podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here with you. Having this, this conversation is, is always nice to have interesting conversations with people. Freddie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my real name is Alfredo. Uh, it's my father's name, so he, he took this... Uh, this vengeance with me. <laughs> we say it like this here in Mexico. Uh, I am from Guadalajara. Uh, this is the place of where tequila is made and uh, mariachis and everything. So it's very Mexican. People has a very strong uh, culture and this sense of uh, like patriotism here. Uh, but anyways, um, I decided to travel uh, since I was very small, since I moved from Mexico City uh, to Guadalajara at, uh, I don't know, 13 years old, I was at that time. So everything changed at that time. So I decided to, to, to travel, that there's something more like, beyond uh, a city, beyond the country and everything. Mm -hmm. So my first opportunity, it was uh, this double degree that, that my university offered me. I was studying uh, hospitality management here in Mexico. So they offered this double degree in Glion, uh, Switzerland. So I took it. I mean, at that time, I didn't know what was going to be my major. Uh, I knew I wanted to work in hotels, that I wanted to travel for sure, that I wanted to practice and maybe learn uh, some more languages. So I started this journey with a specialization in sales and marketing. I liked that in, in Lyon, but in Europe, you know, this, this, um, this relationship they have with food and wine is very, very special. Here in Mexico, I think we, we have very rich culture and gastronomy, but maybe we are not that aware. Uh, we, we don't take it that seriously, I think, like most of the people, right? So is it because the country is part, so big? It can be. I think. I think it's. Uh, and maybe it can in, be one of the reasons. maybe industrialization came and Mexican people actually like copied somehow Americans. But what I would say, just like with the idea of food, because you really like in Mexico. I believe that you follow some leads, some like inputs from other countries, especially USA. Yeah, I, I would say that it's uh, what you know, what happened in most of the Latin American countries and especially Mexico, we have a very rich uh, like like history uh, of our food. We have very we have a lot of uh, ingredients endemic from this region and we have a strong uh, food culture. 
but I think in the in the last years, of course, you have this uh, this fashionable or this very popular food, like you know pizzas, as you said, like very influenced by by the USA, uh, hamburgers and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, fine dining. Uh, it was always uh, Italian food or French food, some things like that. So Mexican food remains at the streets you know at streets at towns like these very old techniques that that we used to have um they they started to getting uh, lost so we always need these these uh, characters like in in my case or in in my country's case it's called enrique olvera is the most important chef uh in in the history of mexico because not because he, maybe he's he's not the best chef, but what he did uh, regarding putting Mexican food in 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 a place in the world, you know, mm -hmm. in the fifty best uh, categories and, and many many prizes and awards. Was so he a chef? He was a chef, right? He's a chef. He's yeah. a chef. Okay, he's and chef. okay. What happened with Alex Atala in in Brazil, or these these chefs that wanted to make uh, fine dining with their own ingredients, with their local ingredients and local techniques? Uh, so pe Mexican people started to see Mexican food at the same level as the as the European food or American food. So this is very nice right now, but so, still many people doesn't get it. They you're saying that. Chefs, finally Mexican chefs, started to realize the potential of food grown up close by in the area and to deliver like uh, fine art cuisine in nice air, like air, um, restaurants, like modernizing the, the restaurant, taking it from the street, taking it from like, uh, I would say like a city environment, like a fast-paced city environment to a slow dine, slow dining experience, like, because... Yeah, definitely. Mm. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm reading from your history that you had the opportunity to go to Chile and um, work for wines, like work in wines, work to make wine. Yeah. yeah, to make wine. What? Yeah, I, I had this amazing opportunity. What kind of grapes were you growing there in Chile? It is a, it is a valley that uh, the, the most famous valley of, of, of that region is Casablanca. Mm -hmm. It's better known for its white wines. But now, like um, I was there like four years ago, something like that. Like two years ago, they got their own uh, like certification of origin of the region that is called Lo Abarca. And it's very curious because it's the only it's the only vineyard that is there. So it's basically their own certification or appellation d'origine, something like this. So they have it's a very cold weather, uh, very close to the ocean. It's the closest to the ocean from Chile. So you have this very salty breeze mineral wines, mm -hmm. breed, like micro climate and everything. Uh, they used to have uh, Riesling, they had uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Gris, they had some Grenache, 
Pinot Noir, um, what else? Chardonnay, you know, the, the, the owner, which is a lady, she was the first lady uh, winemaker in Chile. So she, she didn't like Chardonnay, but recently I heard they have it. So finally they, <laughs> they gave, yeah. they gave in. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big variety. Let, let me say it. Obviously, like many of these grapes probably are imported by uh, other vineyards. So um, they will definitely have like a, a unique product at the end. But, you know, they I'm, do, al I'm, alway I'm always interested in vineyards which grow just in one place, one, just in one specific place. <clears throat> like small, like, do, I don't know if you know Teroldego, for example. It's a red wine. Uh, say, it, say it again, sorry. Teroldego. No, uh, I don't know. It's like a, a, a grape in, uh, in the valley from on, in Trentino. And uh, uh -huh. it basically it grows just there. Like there is no other Tyrol to go anywhere in the in the world. Yeah, I get it. Or like yeah. um yeah, there are so many like um autochtons, we uh I don't know if it's the right word. But it would be interesting even like to talk about a wine a grape which grows just in Chile, just in that place do you reckon do you remember any names which except for the i uh casablanca was was, was it casablanca yeah casablanca okay like casablanca how is you it know, how is it there is um in chile they, they have a very uh, curious case you know where they when there was this crisis of uh, phylloxera like mm -hmm. all the vineyards in the in the world got like devastated with this uh, plague, really. So there was uh, this kind of grape that uh, they thought it was lost forever oh, okay. in, in, in Europe, but in Chile they discovered it like uh, a few decades later. It's called um, Carmenero. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they produce it anymore in Europe. I haven't heard very recently. But it's very, it's very local from Chile, you know. And uh, from there, you know, from this crisis, Chile was the only like untouched country. So they started to take these uh, like the roots, or I don't know how to say it in English, but uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't the know how seeds to say it, but... uh, or like the flowers, no, like the base, like the base of the plant. They took it mm -hmm. because yeah, uh, it was very resistant to this uh, to this plague. So they took it. They took the base, mm -hmm. and they they basically put the the European uh, species like together on it. So the roots are Chilean. Like right now, in many of the vineyards in, in Europe, mm -hmm. the roots are original from Chile. Oh. So this is this is very interesting. And the grape from Chile is Caramener, like forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a problem actually, which is a technical problem with these hybrid plants, um, which is they they give the structure, the strength to the plant, but the plant loses uh, taste and the fruit loses the taste and um, macro micronutrients as well. This is like uh, 
something they discovered, to, for example, with tomatoes, because now we have the yeah. three week, uh, <laughs> the tomato which lasts three weeks, but hundred years ago, a tomato would go rotten in four days. Um, and I was reading that we got, we have in the last 70 years, we got a loss in the micro and macronutrients of about 35% on the tomatoes, for example, which I don't want it to happen with wines because we know that a wine is just the essence of the fruit itself. So let's hope that they will not play too much with the hybrid hybrids in the future. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> No, I think there's there will always be like people in winemakers and and people defending the wine. Yeah, this, definitely. This, because it's a, very, a it's a culture, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a love story, right, between yeah. men and and wine. So there will always be these romantic uh, guys remaining and defending the original wine and the best wine. <clears throat> What about your experience in a city like uh, Dubai? What, how was it? How was living in that environment? What, what, what I learned in Dubai is basically high standards and uh, very, very demanding uh, customers. So the level of service there, I think is the best I have ever seen in, in, in any place where, where I have been. Uh, How did you get teached? Who was your mentor in this case? Who was that person who really like? I was in I was in many in many restaurants inside the property, but at that time I worked in one that was uh, number one in TripAdvisor. It's called Sengo. It was uh, it was a fusion in between Latin American and uh, Asian food. Mm -hmm. And you know the the level there, wow! The chefs, the the um, the service staff, and the manager. Her name was she was German actually. Her name was Amanda. Man, she spoke like six languages. <laughs> she knew about everything, and the best thing is that she she, she always kept uh, her staff motivated. You know, I wasn't I was an intern at that time. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, she always wanted me to like to to participate, to raise my voice. She asked for my opinion, even when I was the the less experienced uh, person in the room. Uh, yeah, but you're coming from a culinary and hotel uh, environment. Let's let's define that because yeah. I think it's really important for us who we we studied in this. We it's like it's a love we have kind of. We need to be active. We need to give feedbacks as well. We yeah. can give feedbacks because yeah, we read a lot. We worked. I mean, I guess that you went from Switzerland to Dubai, right? Yeah. Or, I I, yeah. Like uh, the Switzerland standards are also like key and the hospitality services. But having someone like a mentor like that, uh, well, she was a met, right? Or like, let's call her like a... Yeah, you know. manager, operations yeah. manager. Operation manager. And yeah, my mentor was, I have to say, um, in my two years of uh, working in a five-star hotel for uh, the leading hotels of the world chain, not chain, but group. Yeah. 
and mm-hmm. um, man, it was really like the most like the most intense period of my life, I would say, because um, the my my chef in my area manager he was late in his fifty. He worked uh, in Switzerland for like twenty five years. He worked in the best hotels or, or restaurants when he was younger and like you know that like kind of douche like who everyone hates but also you yeah. realize like that you just have to be quiet when he's saying something it's like he really put me like as a soldier soldier in service but obviously like then you find like gratitude even from him when customers go to him and tell him yo that guy is actually pretty lit like can I get him over to work for me? Obviously, like, he, he's going to say no because it's like... But it also was after an internship and I went to this hotel. It was... I was working as a barman, but we were also serving food, which is, like, my concept of ideal restaurant because for me, a restaurant is a place where I can spend a lot of time. It's uh, somewhere where I can go and I, I just... I, I can have the half day there. I can spend like, because it's fine. Like I'm going to drink a glass, a bottle of wine first. Then probably I'm going to eat something fast. Uh, then I can wait for my main course. It's not problem. Then I can, I can order another bottle of wine. Then I get this intercourse. Yeah. Then I wait. Then I decide for another glass of wine. And literally five, six hours. That's like how much I would like to stay there. What happens if you stay there in a restaurant for that long, even if I was the barman, I was also serving the food there to people. Yeah. And it's like, it was a bistro, let's say like this, like it was opening the kitchen at 12 for us and we were serving food for lunch, then a little break for, for us and then dinner. Dinner also like order whenever you want. It was our duty to sell sell things if there was not nothing much to talk in the morning we were like this is the budget for this month guys you have to sell each for each head like of you you have to sell 800 euros today it was challenging but it was yeah i i, I can get <laughs> but uh working for like in a five-star hotel where people actually pay 45 euros for a dish it's easy it's really like you're it's like you know a waiter or a barman is like a bitch you have to take as much money as you can from a customer this yeah is a way of thinking <laughs> everyone can say that's not true but if you're saying that yeah i'm gonna take money from that customer your boss is gonna be happy <laughs> yeah like and the boss of, and the boss of your boss is going to be happier <laughs> Let's say it like this, yeah. Mm. But then you moved to Spain, right? Like uh, after your experiences in uh, cities like Dubai and also Beijing. Uh, yeah. Would you like to talk about Beijing? Yeah, Beijing maybe? was very nice as well. It was uh, it was in uh, food and beverage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more like in the administration and organization and everything. Um, I couldn't be that uh, in in operations 
because I didn't speak uh, Chinese. So, so I was more with the managers, attending to all the meetings and learning from them and uh, always making these strategies to, to improve all the service, all the operations. Were the, were the managers uh, Chinese or were the managers uh, foreigners? Most of the managers were uh, Chinese. The mm -hmm. director was uh, Singaporean and my boss, the food and beverage uh, director, was from Lebanon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we we very few. Um, how to say from other countries? It was from Lebanon. It was me from Mexico. The 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 director and my partner, like another management management trainee. But yeah, it was a nice experience as well. Um, the service is not as as good as in Dubai. In Dubai, man, is is incredible. <laughs> you know, there there's a guest coming. If he came before, you know if he's uh, left-handed or right-handed, so where to put the, the cutlery, you know, if he liked, if he didn't like some dish, or if he mentioned it was uh, too salty or something like this. So you tell to the kitchen, guys, last time we screwed it with the salt with this guy, so <laughs> double check the salt with him. So you, you, you have to know if he goes with the, his boss, you should offer this kind of wine. If he goes with his wife, you offer another kind of wine. So it's amazing, all of that, in, in service especially. And uh, at that time, well, like in, in every step of, of my career in these trainings, I met incredible chefs. So this, this figure of the chef, it was uh, a very interesting character for me because the way they spoke about what they do, I was like, man, how can someone be so passionate about, about what they do, right? And uh, I met one chef in, uh, in Switzerland, I met one uh, in Dubai, in Chile, in all these places. So I was like, man, I want to experience that. I want to see if I'm good because I was like, I think I could be, I could be good at this, right? So I decided to, to try myself and go to Spain where the real men are made. <laughs> now, but I mean, in these restaurants, in these restaurants, there are many people that, uh, they they experience that like for one week and then they leave or or something like this so yeah you need to, hard. to work for such long hours because that's long that's the the thing like it's for a chef putting a dish on the menu means that he has to stay two or three hours more every time yeah. because he has <laughs> to do it like summer yeah, yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> i guess that like so. chefs who uh, aim for a Michelin star, who or who have a Michelin star already, they uh -huh. are the one who really open the kitchen at seven, uh, have 30 minutes break shower, and then go back for the dinner service at five. Like they finish the lunch at four, they go back for the dinner at five, and they start preparing everything, and then they will leave like, if they are good, they leave as soon as the service is done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At uh, least in Europe, it's like this. Huh? And as you say, it is the, the, the ones who got uh, one mission stars, they are like seeking all the time for these next second stars and the third. So they say the place, the, the best place you can be is uh, one mission star restaurant because it's, uh, it's uh, a group like together for this goal. 
that is getting that star, right? In in a three mission stars, you it's 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 same very exigent, but uh, still I think you're more relaxed, as you say, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> but you managed to work with, I would say, one of the best chefs in Spain, right? Yeah, I was. It, it was very exciting for me to go there. I started in a production kitchen. It's like it's upstairs, you know. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't even get to see the service, the customers, the chef. No one. You're in this room upstairs, like doing the same thing for long hours. But I was, I was still happy. I was like, this is my place, man. I have no, I have no much experience. So we are like here, even preparing dish, like preparing the ingredients for the kitchen to work on. Yeah, they were like they even separated the kitchen kind of. They like were like, we need an area where we disassemble the main ingredient, and then we need an area where we assemble everything back together. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So maybe there is this. You maybe you have to open fresh almonds, right? Or you have thousands of almonds because each dish has five almonds. So yeah, I, I mean the chef cannot do that because it takes all day. So you need. A lot of guys <laughs> doing it all day with, with lots of time and lots of energy who can like break almonds all day. So I was this guy at the but, beginning. I was like, oh, and then you moved to the golden, the seafood. Yeah. Then I moved, yeah. Then I moved <laughs> to rice. Then I moved to like cold room. Uh, well, I remember the first time I got down to, to service, it was not to cook. I was there to help the, the dishwasher, you know. They uh, they went yeah. upstairs. I was like, man, we, it's crazy down there. So and I was like, man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go down. And I imagine the kitchen like ah, pa, 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 a lot of noise and people screaming and everything. No, everything and quiet. I went down. It was silent. Silence. So silent. Yeah. The only thing you can hear is like the 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 sound of the the dishes, the plates, or the cutlery, and of course the the chef de cuisine. His name was Capo. And uh, no, and I was there for help uh, the dishwasher to. But to, silently, to you do it. Stuff. Yeah, like you need to do it quiet. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I, I was so scared. Like, man, what if I want to sneeze right now? <laughs> they will cut my head. <laughs> yeah, the, I remember. Uh, I was working with a pair of um, a couple because we were working. Two Michelin star chefs were working together for um, a wedding. Uh, uh huh. We waiters are waiting to get the plates and then like we are talking to each other and this guy <laughs> comes to us and he's like, do you hear anyone else talking here? And we're like, wow. uh, sorry, <laughs> like this is how much they are on, on the point. They don't want to miss anything. They don't want to get distracted. They take it very seriously. Yeah, because it's service is just like a short period of the of the day for them and that's like their full pace which i think that a chef must learn to work quietly that's that's a key point for like making good dishes because it's you hear everything if something is burning even like in the pan yeah. you can hear it if something is not yeah. frying properly if if someone is cutting something you know that He's cutting, so you need to hear like all these noises. <clears throat> and you need to concentrate, right? Yeah, so yeah silence is, is a good a good way to work. 
definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was there. Well, after this day, I was like, wow, man, this is serious. And I was talking to a guy, and he was like, man, these guys have been here for like ten years, nine years. It's it's been like some of them have trouble with their families or like even health problems, which I, I disagree with many of these, uh, like many of these um, aspects of the of the job. But anyways, they it took them uh, too long, uh, many hours of working, sacrifices and everything. So this is why they take it very seriously. Man. Like you that just got, uh, that just graduated from culinary school and you get there and you're pretending that everything and uh, very proud and everything you will not take it that seriously and that gets them very irritated yeah they get pissed like, <laughs> i'm also the one who's saying that i hate adults because you cannot touch them <laughs> they are untouchable and yeah. i mean i understand them but because i'm because like i feel that i'm like you hey guys like you can actually like have fun as well and you have yeah. to have fun. And if you don't have fun, it's your problem. Let's say it like this. It's like, I'm sorry for what's happening, but now we are here, everyone. So just <laughs> enjoy the time. Yeah, I I feel the, I feel what you're saying. <laughs> it was. Yeah, the, the pressure is too much. Like you feel like you're, uh, then my, my girlfriend right now, she's a doctor and she was like, Man, it's, someone died today, right? In the mm. in the surgery or something like this. You're like, man, like we we take it that serious and we're working with food, right? Yeah, maybe you can get someone sick or even like like really sick uh, with your food if you don't have this uh, this attention and everything. But we are not really playing with people's life, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we take it we take it seriously as if it was that. So it's, uh, I, I took it more, I was more relaxed after I, after I talked to her, I was, I realized that, uh, as you say, we need to have fun with, we are making food. We, we want to make people happy. We are not, we are not saving people's life or this kind of stuff. We, we make people happy. If you are not happy, how can you make someone? Right? Yeah. It's, that's the key. That's the key point actually. Let's make it like I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna call this episode "Food Makes You Happy," right straight up from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, people make people. If 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 your food doesn't make anyone happy, you you don't. That this is not your your and passion. Plus, if your... you add wine into it, you can be sure oh. that you're gonna have a lot of laughs at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about wines. Let tell me, please. Yeah, tell me. Um, you moved like you went from Spain now, like you got another opportunity, and you said, I will go back to Mexico, right? Yeah, so I uh, you had a, um, the opportunity to be in charge now, like you were the one who was actually. Uh, the old adult, the bastard kind of like the one who yeah. who was blamed for. <laughs> yeah, I okay. was, I was, I was, I was in the middle. I was in the middle of the chef and everyone else in the kitchen. So this position is very challenging. 
Mm-hmm. But anyways, I, I met this I met this chef in in Spain actually. It was uh, this uh, event in uh, in Valencia. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of chefs like Joan Roca, Andoni, Luis Aduris, and uh, who was this? Well, like the best chefs of Spain. I was like, oh my god, oh my god! It's like like a kid watching the favorite football players like face to face. Like man, there is I don't know Lionel Messi or something like this. I was there. Uh, looking at them and I was like, wow, here is Andoni. And then I realized there was a Mexican chef there. And I was like, Who, who's this guy? Because I met the, the most famous one, but I didn't meet him. So I got to talk to him and help him like uh, doing prep and production and preparing with, uh, his dishes. And uh, we had a very nice, a very nice uh, talk, you know? So at the end he was like, yeah, man, um, when you need something, if you're planning going back to Mexico, just let me know and you will have a place in, in my restaurant. Uh, look, and I, I searched for the restaurant in internet and I was like, wow, this place is so nice. And it was in this list of uh, Latin America's 50 best, like in, in place 30 something, right? 32, I think. And um, I wanted to stay in Europe. Let, let's say that at the beginning. So I made some trials at Denmark with this, with this uh, chef called Rocio Sanchez. I wanted to stay in Europe, but then I, I went back to Mexico. They told me like, yeah, we will call you, uh, well, like in three months or something, but I was, I was very impatient. Like, um, I wanted to do something. I wanted to, to keep cooking and to keep moving. So I called the chef. She told me, yeah, come over. And I get, I got there and he told me like, yeah, welcome. Uh, I want you to be in charge of this, to take care of this. And <laughs> I mean, not all the kitchen operation, but, um, some more managing. Like he was like, yeah, you, you studied. Like the first thing he was like, yeah, you studied. And, uh, none of them uh, studied. So they're, they're just cooked. So for sure you have, you, you know how to use a computer and Excel and everything. I was like, ah. At mm-hmm. that moment, I knew I knew these guys won't respect me, right? I was like, no, oh, man, I am the yeah the guy who studied. He knows how to use a computer, and uh, he's working with numbers. He's not a real cook. But then, and of course, I want, you showed cats, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what did. And yeah. the, the chef that was in charge of the operative part of the kitchen, he got uh, he got fired, <laughs> and. Uh, I thought this is my, my chance. Yeah. I took the chef because he was like, I was in charge of hiring chefs. So he was like, yeah, hire someone to, to take that place. And I was like, chef, I don't want to hire someone. I want to take that place as well. And he was like, okay, then take that place and hire someone that, <laughs> that does what you do right now. I was like, no chef, I can do both. So he told me, well, let's see how it goes. Okay. And, uh, I was not very sure, but. He told me, let's try, let's see how it goes. Man, that was the most challenging uh, part of my career because in, in Spain, I was uh, like uh, this, um, uh, I was uh, training there and I was very respected. Like in my level, I was respected by the other uh, young people. Uh, I was, let's say like this, the favorite of the, of the chef, the cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, man, let's go to, they used to call me papi. <laughs> That's a funny story. 
like, yeah, no, papi, ask, ask papi or go or tell to papi or papi will tell you how to do this. And yeah, man, papi, let's go party. And, you know, I, I was a, a likable person at that time. And then here in Corazon de Tierra, I was like, you know, these guys were older than me. They had more experience than me. But the chef told me like, man, I know they, they have all of these. I mean, I, I know all these people and I know why you are in this position because you can do more things. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe they can cook more delicious food, but they cannot be in charge. You can, and you're doing it good because I, I was, uh, I wanted to quit at one time, to be honest, not to quit, but I was like, uh, I, I talked to the chef and I was like, man, these, these guys, they, they are, uh, they make it on purpose, right? They, they don't work properly and, uh, very bad manners and everything. But then I got used to it. I embraced it. And uh, I was like, man, I don't care if you if you don't like me, you will, we will do this for the best of the restaurant. Yeah. So yeah, I got to work better with my team. And we got some nice results there. Mm -hmm. I was very happy at the end. Well, in, in which year was it? Just so that we understand the Corona uh, stop. <laughs> The um, in it was in uh, 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. The the restaurant is in Valle de Guadalupe, so it's the the wine region in Mexico. So I got to learn a lot about wines there. We have our own uh, orchard. Mm -hmm. We we used to work with whole animals. Um, we have the sea very close, so. We used to have fresh seafood. It was a very, very nice restaurant. We used to have just tasting menu. We received like, I don't know, 30 people per, per day. Mm -hmm. But still, it was it was hard. Yeah, for, 30, 30 uh, tasting menus for still like a lot of work because obviously you need, I don't know how many dishes, but you need to prepare yeah. everything. Order, yeah, man. cut, wash. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, uh, these, uh, food restrictions. Yeah. I mean, lovely part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's something we have, we all have to deal with it now. It's, but Definitely. luckily now we have computers and they can help, help us. Like it will be, yeah, it's really stupid to manage it by hand or by brain because it's not that you can't like get a program that does it for you to tell what kind of ingredients are there and if this is bad yeah and, it, and it's not something to play with it's uh, people's health so you need to be very professional in this and this mm -hmm. is this is one of the parts that for me uh differentiate like a professional chef from a normal cook right so a normal cook is like, oh, man, these uh, gluten-free guys. Uh. Professional chef is like, okay, guys, it's, it's another customer. Yeah. We have to... Put the water to boil for, for him. Like, it's... We're yeah. going to cook pasta with gluten-free just for him. It's fine. Yeah. Or, we, do, we do what it takes. So we just do it. We work in a, in a good restaurant. We are not giving it for free. And even if we do, we are choosing, we are choosing to do this. So be professional, man, and do your job. 
Yeah, food allergies, uh, when they came out, like, also, I think, like, it was five, six years ago that we were, like, really into those. I was studying, like, the whole allergy things at school because, yeah, they were there. And I remember, like, chefs or, like, even cutting the bread. You cannot cut the, br- the gluten-free bread with the knife with which you cut the normal bread, right? Yeah. I was I was 18 and I had to go to knock on my colleague's uh, shoulder like hey what the fuck are you doing you cannot do this because he was just cutting the gluten free bread with the normal knife no that's not a not a go not at all yeah we had these moments mm. yeah man we have to we have to be professional at all times what so now you want to express your professionalism or everything that you learned with your project. What is it? Yeah. And how how would you how would you say it? You know, you know this this uh, constant of the the things in common with the many places that I work is the ocean, the sea, the wine for sure, and the beer. So. I was like, man, I want to have these three things uh, for sure in my restaurant. And then when I was in, in Baja California, which is their, the, the wine region, people is used to that. They don't, again, they don't uh, appreciate it that much. Man, they drink good wine, they drink good beer, and they need good seafood. And I was like, man, people in many places will uh, be very interested to, to have this experience because... Um, it's not very common here in my in my city. It's not very common to to go to place and then aiming to have good seafood and then uh, drink a wine. Like wine here in Mexico is uh, is at their early ages still. Mm-hmm. People think that uh, drinking wine is something very fancy, maybe or even and restaurants doesn't help that much because you go and you have to buy a bottle very expensive compared to what we are used to. Or they say, maybe you can drink uh, by the glass, right? Yeah. We have these uh, Chilean uh, wine. We don't know even the grape or, but yeah, if you want to pay something cheap, you can drink that. Mm-hmm. So people is like, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm going to go for that. <laughs> they try it and it's not good at all. Of course, no, it's, it's not good. So, so people think cheap wine is bad and good wine is very expensive and that is not true so i want people to eat seafood drinking wine i want them to know that uh, eating oysters with the sparkling white is not for the royalty (laughs) (laughs) but you can do it i mean even you can do it with mexican oysters and mexican wine and have this amazing experience um, that is not only made for celebrations i mean if you're celebrating something better but it's not only for that. I mean, you can you can go any day, at any time, and and have this experience. And this uh, this combination of, of products, the best producers are in Baja California. So I met them, I worked with them, I tried all of that, and I was like, I want to take all this to my hometown, which is Guadalajara, and people for sure will like it. So I'm working on that right now. Okay. Um, it's getting very. I'm I'm taking it easy right now because 
you know, the situation is, is hard for restaurants um, all over the world, I think. So opening a restaurant right now, it can be done, but it's very challenging. And in stations, I know I am not the, the businessman, the chef that I want to be, but, but I want to take the risk, but not in a full way. Like I want to be aware of, of, of many things. I want to do it uh, the safest possible. Definitely. Um, I have many things to learn anyways, because a chef's career is very long, it's a very long way. Um, but I want to, I want to make people part of this project. Like I want maybe in one year after uh, Eris is open, I want people to say like, wow, man, I remember one year ago, dishes were not that good as this one. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to see people like watch a restaurant, a team growing. I want to grow together with my team. I want to have this laboratory in my, in my restaurant and I want to grow there. Um, and people can be part of that. I think I, I think that's nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's a good idea for a sustainable and uh, because a restaurant has to be sustainable even economically. I, I also believe that it's not like you cannot think just about selling quantities of food or selling bottles of water. Like, no, you should consider more about selling bottles of water because there you have a lot of more money coming in instead of yeah. like selling lots of dishes because it's better to sell less dishes and lots of water and wines <laughs> and wines uh, and to give a, a good range of quality and to have like even less chances to, to do mistakes because we know how much like a mistake can grow, a bad feedback is most likely to go online while a good feedback is most likely to be stay yeah, like inside the circle. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, what you said is very important. Like you need to have um, a place where, where people would like to stay, where people is treated uh, like, like real guests, like, like, um, man, I have this wine, why don't you try it? You know, you have someone like, uh, sh like sharing their knowledge for you and guiding you throughout the experience. Um, so this is very nice. It's not like, yeah, sit and there's the menu of 10 pages, choose whatever you want. Hopefully we will have it, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't assure anything. So no, it's like a small, small menu, like today's menu, maybe you will be the only ones uh, who will try this because we got this from our supplier and tomorrow we won't be here. So you can yeah. get to try it. It's not on the menu, but you can, you can try it. The chef is there. Like you can see the chefs yeah. all the time. They will say the yes. Food. They will say yes. And they will be happy. Like that's. That's why actually I chose to become a waiter because I also studied to be, to work in the kitchen for two years. But then I was like, no guys, I want to stay out there. I want to, I want to talk with people. I want to make yeah. them curious. Like you guys in the kitchen are doing good, but without me, you will not do that good. So I'd better be out there. That's what, why I decided to stay in the, 
with a black tie, white shirt and a jacket and like, where is me welcoming guests and like, that was, uh, yeah, it was a nice experience so far, like uh, six, seven years that I worked in restaurants, but now it's, <laughs> yeah. It's it's nice. The service is, is nice. It's the last, is the last, uh, is the last part of the, of the service chain where you are the 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 rock stars, the guides of the people. If you do, if uh, everything is in your hands at the end, right? It's like uh, if you don't deliver correctly, the whole experience, the whole work of the suppliers, of the chefs, of the all the guys working behind is in your hands at the end so it's a very big responsibility uh, the people the customers also is, is uh, putting uh, their experiences in your hands so so it's very nice to make this bond with them right yeah it's i i made like lots of friends my guests i have phone numbers from like guys from russia who at the end of the service we were like if you ever come to Moscow, call me and I will come and pick you up from the airport. Like I have those people, like in, I met those people like in, I don't know, like Americans who were like really, like, or I even had like, for example, like nice story. A guy once like give, gave me the biggest tip ever I received, which was 500 euros in a purple thing. And he was like, you made it, you made it the best like for me. And those were the moments we were like, uh, I was like, fuck, I'm really doing good. And it means that I like, I can, I can go farther, farther, farther. But yeah, unfortunately, like it was good times because you, we made good money, good, really good money, even more than like I'm doing it here now in Berlin, for example. But the work is like, it's all, it's really based on the amount of hours you invest in it. And you need to have this, uh, you need to decide at one point, what do you want to do? Do you want to live to work or do you want to work and live? And I think, I think this is the crucial point with where like nice uh, hotels actually can split it somehow. I, I hardly find any restaurant which is uh, allowing like the chefs to work for just eight hours a day, for example. Yeah. Uh, I know that Noma from uh, René, uh, in Dan uh, was it, uh, where is it in uh, Copenhagen? Copenhagen. Denmark, they they give one month of holidays uh, in addition to that. They they have oh, yeah. they have uh, uh, yeah yeah to travel like to travel and experience food. Then they have um, they have huge working hours because people there actually love to work as well but i don't think they have really like that uh demanding chef behind because he's really open-minded kind of as a as a chef and he doesn't want to be to stress people so much in in the kitchen either yeah yeah this is another another uh, level but still uh, cooks need to have this you need to to create this right environment to to cooks to be creative to work well and to to deliver a good um, good quality 
if, if you don't understand this, it's like you're getting behind, right? And one day, these, uh, these people is going to get, uh, they will get behind. It's part of sustainability, as you say, that the way you treat your, your staff. Wow. I mean, we, we see it like a responsibility, but it's also good for the business. You have someone happy working for you. You have someone more creative, more, uh, more awake and more aware of, of all the, of the elements that they need to, to deliver good quality. So someone that is tired, you know, this, this image of the cook as this person who is tired or drunk or, uh, you know, bad sleeping and yeah. drugs and everything. I don't like it. It's very, a lot of cooks like, uh, take them, uh, like very proudly, but I'm like, no, man, this is not, this is not fashionable. This is not right. And this is not cool. <laughs> no, you know? uh, the picture of a chef taking cocaine before service is something which just a few people saw, but you at one, you're very, you're asking yourself, so you're doing this because you're working 16 hours a day, right? So the problem is before that, it's like, yeah, we, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not a good vibe to work in, definitely not. Hmm. No, man. Or these pictures of, of chefs eating, uh, like sitting on the floor. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, man, this is, this is, this should not be our, this is why cooks are so low pay, low paid because people is like, yeah, man, they can do, they can do anything. They are like multitasking. They can wash, they can clean, they can cook and they can do a lot of things. They can carry things and, and. A real cook is not. A real cook has to create. A real cook has to deliver good quality, using good ingredients, taking care of the ingredients, uh, looking at their process. So, it's, talking it's about ingredients and process, are you focused now to to show me and tell me what about these recipes you prepare for us? Because oh yeah, we are gonna have some recipes on the next episode which is going to be the third one. So please just play, play it on uh, Freddy or Alf Alfredo. Can we say Alfredo, Alfredo <laughs> is going is going to share with us the best. I would say I like them a lot. Like I will cook, I will prepare them for a nice Sunday brunch, maybe. <laughs> 